Amen. That's our story, church. God is good. He is so good to us. Uh, well, listen, I want to welcome, welcome you into our time of, of Bible study. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to pull them out, open them up to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, last week we began this new series, God of the Valley. And I cannot wait to share with you what the Lord has for us this morning. We're going to ask you to follow along with our digital sermon notes. And uh, here is a slide of what those look like. We'll put that full screen. If you've got your camera, just point it on that QR code and uh, it'll pop up a little link you click on. And uh, those are fill-in-the-blank digital sermon notes. Attached to them, you'll also find our digital bulletin, which has all the information about what we're doing as a church and, uh, and how the Lord's been providing financially for us through these times. I'm going to pray for us, if you don't mind, before we jump into God's Word. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for allowing us to worship in spirit and in truth that wherever we are scattered, just as the early church was scattered, Lord, I think sometimes we believe that the early church, you know, had it easy and, and that they always got to meet in person. And, and God, that's just not the case at all. And so the early church was often on the run. They were, they, they were meeting in all kinds of different places. And, uh, and, and that's why your word says that worshipers are going to worship in spirit and in truth. And so, God, uh, by the power of your spirit, let us worship you this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to take your proper place in our pulpit uh, you are the teacher of this church. We pray that you would lift up and exalt Jesus in our presence, that we might see him clearly, and that we might want him more than anything this world has to offer. In Jesus' name we pray these things, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, guys, three things I want to share with you this morning as we, we shift into week two of our study, God of the Valley, and we're going to jump right in. Here's the first thing I want you to know this morning, guys, is that mountaintop moments energize and inspire us, but fruit is usually produced in the valleys of life. Let me say that again. Mountaintop moments energize and inspire us, but fruit is usually produced in the valleys of, of life. And so when we began this study last week, we kind of began with this foundational truth. The valleys of life are actually part of God's good plan for us. And, and that's kind of hard for us to work through and figure out. We, we feel like as Christians, we're always meant to be on the mountaintop. And so I think sometimes we struggle with valley moments, but we, we kind of pulled that truth from Deuteronomy chapter 11. And, and this is what God said through Moses to his people, the Israelites, as they were preparing to enter the promised land. Uh, here it is. He, he said, for the land you're entering to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you've come. Where, where you sowed your seed and irrigated by hand as in a vegetable garden. But the land that you are entering to possess is a land of mountains and valleys. Mountains and valleys. And so we learn very, very quickly that those valleys are part of, of God's good plan. And, and, and so, uh, listen, what, what I want you to know is, is those valleys were also described, they were described as, uh, what was the promised land described as, right? The land flowing with milk and honey. The land flowing with milk and honey. And what that means is that the promised land was this place of abundance where, where when the people of God got there, they were going to find this abundant vegetation and, and fruit. In fact, uh, if you want to know the description of the fullness of the bounty they would find in the promised land, God actually tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And here's, here's what the, the word of the Lord says, Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 9. Uh, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage and where you 
will lack nothing. And, and last week we kind of figured out where all that bountiful harvest was found. Because when the spies went into the promised land to, to look for uh, this, this fruit that God had, had promised, we find in, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 23, this is what they came back and reported. It says, when, the, when they came to Eshol Valley, they, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men. They also took some pomegranates and some figs. And, and so the great bounty, where, where was it found? Well, it was found there in, in, in the valley. And so last week, as we began to kind of rethink how we think about the valleys of life um, based on God's word, uh, I wanted to focus last week on, on the things that we expect in the valleys, which are the problems of life. But, but this morning, I kind of want to challenge you to, to think that the valleys aren't just full of problems, it's also a place of great production. It's a place of great production. I, I love what Billy Graham said. Right? Uh, here, here's, here's what he said. He said, mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valley. And so, so let's talk about that this morning. Uh, these next two points, I, I kind of want to uh, explain what, what we mean by that. And I want to take a closer look at what it takes to produce fruit and why that happens in the valley. So here's the second thing I have for you this morning. Ready? I want you to understand that producing good fruit requires proper drainage. That producing good fruit requires proper drainage. And, and so if there was a, you know, when they enter the promised land, they come to Eshel Valley, and what do they bring, bra- bring back as a symbol of, of God's provision? Like, yeah, man, this, this land is bountiful. So they, they, they bring back some figs and some pomegranates, but that's not what's talked about. The emphasis uh, from the spies when they come back is on, is on what? It's on the, on the grapes. It's on the grapes that they find in the valley. And, and I, I believe there's symbolic reasoning for that, be, because in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah actually talks about Israel uh, being a grapevine. He says, I, I, I planted you on, on the side of a hill. Now, now, on the side of a hill, we're not thinking the top of a mountain, but really down in, in the valley. On the side. He said, I, I planted you on the side of a hill, and I intended for you to produce great great fruit, but of course Israel didn't, and, and so Isaiah goes on to say, so, so I uprooted you, and, and then Jesus shows up on the scene, and what does Jesus say when he, he shows up on the scene? He comes and he says, hey, hey I am the true vine, like, I'm, I'm what God was, was talking about, I'm the ultimate fulfillment of that, and, and I just think it's interesting that if we want to understand the, the fruit that God talks about, I think we need to know a little something about, about the valley, and, and so when we look at the topography of Israel, what we find is they've got some really high mountaintops and they've got some really low spots. And when we think of valleys, I think we have a tendency to just think of the lowlands. But really, it's when you come down from the mountains and, and really kind of when you're in the hills, a lot of the valleys in Israel actually are, are, are higher in elevation than you might think. But, but what it is, it's those places where the hilltops kind of level out. And so it's, it, that's called a valley. And there in that valley on the side of that hill is, is a lot of times where you find the best fruit. And, and why is that? Well, because well, grapevines... They, they need that goodness to run down from the top of the hill. Now listen, if they were on top, they'd be scorched. If they were on top, when it got cold, they would freeze, right? But they need to be in a place where they can get just the right amount of sun, just the right amount of shade, but they also need this proper drainage. And so they're often found on the side of the hills where the goodness comes down from the top of the mountain and it flows and, and, and it doesn't stay. They're not just at the bottom, because sometimes if, if they stayed there, right, um, we'll talk about this in a, in a moment, the plant's not going to uh, struggle enough, and we'll get to that, um, but, but they need, they've got to have drainage. 
They've got to have drainage. If it just sits in that water, the roots are going to rot. Got to have the proper drainage. And so it reminds me a lot of what we talked about when we did the Psalms of Ascent study, right? We talked about the goodness of God. And the goodness of God, we said the unity of God in Psalm 133, verse 2 and 3. Remember it said like this, it's like fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down on, on Aaron's beard, onto his robes. It, it's, it's like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for the Lord has appointed the blessings, uh, life forevermore. And, and so we talked about how the, that there, there's a directional flow of goodness that's intended. And listen, I, I just want to tell you, I believe that's God's intent for us. I believe the mountaintop moments of life are there, and the intent of those, the reason why we get to be a part of those, why we get to see God in all of His glory, is because God wants that goodness. He wants that inspiration. He wants that awe of Him then to seep down, to flow down into our everyday lives. And, and I get that by, by, by looking at the lives of people like Peter. You remember Peter? Peter, James, and John got to go up on the mountain of transfiguration. Do you remember what Peter wanted to do there? Here's, here's what the Word of the Lord says, Matthew 17, 4. It says, then Peter says to Jesus, when he sees Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah, he said, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here, man. If you want, I'm going to set up three shelters here, one for you and one for Moses and one for for Elijah. And what Peter is saying is, God, this is so good. This place is so good. I want to camp here, God. I want to stay here. Isn't that our heart? Right? Isn't that our heart? We, have a, we, we want to stay on the mountain. And that's what Peter's saying. Man, I want to stay on the mountain. But if you read along in Matthew 17, just a few verses later, it says, then Jesus walked them down the mountain. And, and he walked down the mountain. You know what he did? He jumped right into ministry. I believe what, with all my heart what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, you can't live on the mountain. You, you've got to take the goodness of the mountain. You've got to take these moments. And then you've got to take these moments and you've got to let them flow into the life of others through ministry. Right? You've got to let them flow into your everyday purpose, which is being the hands and feet of God Himself. Got to have proper drainage. It's a big, big deal, which kind of leads me to my third point, uh, why we, we find so much fruit in the valley. And, and here it is, ready? Because where there is no struggle, there is no fruit. Where there is no struggle, there is no fruit. And, and I know that's probably not a point you want to hear. But again, we're, we're going to look at, at, at this vine dressing. We're going we're gonna to look at, at grapes and how they grow. Uh, Beth Moore has a new book out, a shameless plug here, uh, called Chasing the Vine. And in it, she, she actually devotes an entire chapter to the soil that's necessary to produce good fruit. To the soil that's necessary to produce good fruit. And, and one of the things she says is, is you can't remove all the rocks from the soil. Uh, if, if you want good grapes. So it's got to be kind of on the side of the hill. And it's got to have some rock. Now you've got you to take out some big ones, right? But, but it's, it's got to, it can't be perfect. They're not going to thrive in, in, in perfect soil uh, if, if you want them to produce good fruit. And, and listen, you're going to say, well, why, why are we talking about this, Pastor? Well, we're talking about this because this is God's goal for our life. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15, verse 8. He, he says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and that you prove to be my disciples. Like that's God's goal for our life, that we would be productive, that we would, we would bear much fruit. But, but Jesus goes on just a few verses later and says, but listen, in this world you're going to struggle. John 15, 20, he says, remember the word that I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they, if they persecuted me, they're also going to persecute you. If they, uh, if they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. And, and listen, what Jesus is saying to, to his disciples is, hey, the, the goal is for you to be productive, to bear much fruit. But listen, you're going to have to struggle. 
They persecuted me. They're going to persecute. Part of this fruit bearing involves struggle. And the reason that I say that to you is, is because, listen, uh, people that are really, really smart in, in, in you know, biology and in, in plant biology, this is what they say. There's a guy named uh, Jamie Good, and Jamie Good has a PhD in plant biology, and uh, Moore quotes him throughout her book. But, but I love what he says about the struggle necessary to produce good fruit. Here, here it is. He says, uh, listen, ma- making the vines struggle generally results in better quality grapes. It's, it's a bit like people. Place someone in a near-perfect uh, environment, giving them every comfort, all they could ever want to satisfy their physical needs, and it, it could have rather disastrous consequences for their personality and physique. If you take a grapevine and you make its physical requirements for water and nutrients easily accessible, then somewhat counterintuitively, it's going to give you poor grapes. Give the grapevine a favorable environment, and it's going to choose to take the vegetative route. That is, it's going to put all of its energy into making leaves and shoots. Effectively, it's going to say, this is a fine spot. I'm going to make myself at home here. It won't be too bothered about making grapes, but make things difficult for the vine. By restricting water supply, by making nutrients scarce, by pruning it hard and crowding it with close neighbors, and it will focus its efforts on reproducing itself and making grapes. You see what I'm saying? For the grapevine to be productive, it's got to struggle. When, when, when there's no struggle, it doesn't bear fruit. It gets big and fat, right? It, it grows long and, and leafy, but it doesn't produce grapes. And friends, the same is true with us. When we feel too at home here in this world, when, when there's no difficulty, we have a tendency to make this place, our home, and live like heaven isn't for real, like there's not something more important. And so we're not productive. And so what I'm telling you is where there is no struggle, there is no fruit. So what do we do with that, man? How, how do we take that truth? Just kind of let that, just let that sink in for a second. What, what do we do with that spiritually? I think there's a few things that, that this, these truths would, would call out of us. And here's the first thing I think we need to do is, guys, we have to maintain a, a healthy view of the mountain. We've got to maintain a healthy view of, of the mountain. Listen, uh, mountaintop moments are great. Man, it, it, it's good, right? It, it was good for Peter to, to see Jesus like that. It was, it was good for Peter to, to see, like Peter had already proclaimed, man, you're the Christ, you're, you're the Son of God. It was really good for Peter to, to have that confirmed. Be like, oh my gosh, look at this. He's talking with Moses and Elijah, and this is awesome. And it's great to have those awesome moments where we don't want to leave the presence of God. That's, that's awesome. But like Peter, Jesus is going to say to you and I, you can't stay on the mountain. You've got to let these moments flow down, right, into your everyday life. You've got to. So that's the first thing. We've got to have a healthy view of mountaintop uh, moments. And, and secondly, I would say this to you guys, is we have to make a point to pour into others. We have to make a point to pour into others. And so um, just, so here, here's the truth. We actually don't know where the Valley of Eshol is anymore. So it's kind of an ancient value to talk about. We have an idea of where it is, and so kind of the, the general area in, in Israel where they've identified, hey, we think this is where the valley is. Um, if you were going to go just east of there, you would, you'd elevate into a mountain range, and then if you kept going east and you came on the downside of those mountains, you, you wouldn't so much enter into a valley. What, you would, what you'd find is, is a sea. 
And the sea that's on, on that side of the mountain range uh, is a sea that, that's known very well. It has tons of life flowing into it, but it has no outlet. It's called the Dead Sea. It's called the Dead Sea. And kind of what I'm saying to you is, listen, God's goal for your life, for my life, is that we would be productive, that we would produce much fruit. But you know what's really important to produce much fruit? You've got to have proper drainage. And if you don't have somebody in your life that you're allowing the, flow, the goodness of God to flow out of you and into them, if you're just soaking it all up yourself, your, your roots are going to rot. That's what happens. That's what happens. You're going you're gonna to sour. This sea, which should have be team, teeming with life, it's not because it has no outlet. And the same is true in our life. If we want to be productive, a key, a key to producing good fruit is that we have proper drainage. And so I really want to challenge you. Make it a point to pour into others. And uh, here's the last one. Last challenge this week, ready? Is uh, rejoice in the rocks that are in the valley. Rejoice in the rocks that are in the valley, right? In the struggle in the valley. And, and the reason why, guys, without, without struggle, there is no fruit. So I, I, I know life can be hard, man. It can be really hard at times. It really can. And, and I know there's something in our flesh that cries out and says, man, I just want, I just want it to be easy, right? Come on, you're at home, you can raise your hand, I can't see you, but other, other people in the living room, how many of you have ever just thought, man, I just, I just need a little easy spell here, right? Amen? Right? I, just need, I just need a little easy spell just for a moment, and, and many of us kind of feel that way. Like, God, I just, just need, here's the deal, and it's not that those moments are bad. It's not that those moments are bad, but here's our tendency, friends. When there is no struggle, we start to believe that this world is our home. And kind of like that grapevine, when there's no struggle and, and everything in the soil is perfect, right? It, all it's going to do is, is get fat and leafy. It's not going to produce grapes. God's goal for your life is to be productive, right? Not to be spiritually fat, but to produce fruit. And the only way that happens is if we struggle a bit in this world. Jesus promised us, he said, in this world, you're going to struggle, right? We are. And what we need to remind ourselves of is that as we do, it's not always a bad thing. That sometimes God is using those difficulties to produce a fruit in us that will last for eternity. Okay? So friends, that's my hope, that's my prayer for you this week, is that you'd be challenged by the Word of God to think about the valleys that you're facing maybe just a bit differently, and maybe this week that we would learn to rejoice in the difficulties that we're facing in life. I think that's what the Bible means. When it says rejoice, right? Rejoice in your sufferings. So I, I hope we can learn to do that. Uh, real quick announcement for you guys. I want you to know we said this last week. There are some ways. I, I, many of you have said, man, I'm craving fellowship. Well, here's the deal. There are some ways you can have fellowship. And one of the ways you can do it is if there are other people in your life, we're going to put it uh, on the screen for you. If there are other people in your life that you know that are, are doing life together and you're already seeing them and you guys are comfortable, your families are comfortable, maybe uh, not having masks on in each other's presence, then maybe two or three families. Now, we're not talking entire small groups, but maybe two or three or, or four families that you guys would get together and do what we call house church. And that means that those families would gather on Sunday morning, uh, that you would, uh, you know, this, this one group in particular, they kind of eat breakfast together, then they gather, they worship together, kids then go upstairs, adults do the message, and then they jump right in to the family discussion questions we offer you. It's working really well for them. We want to challenge you. If there are people in your life like that, try that. If not, there's some other things that you can do. Uh, you can also, your small group may choose to, uh, to just do like some Zoom meetings. And uh, there we go. 
and uh, camera one. And so uh, you may choose just to do some Zoom meetings. We had a small group that hadn't uh, spent much time together. And so last week after service, they, they jumped on and did a big Zoom meeting and, and, and touch base. And so whatever level you're comfortable with, listen, we do not want anybody, especially those of you uh, that, that might be in higher risk categories, we don't want you putting yourself out there and, and, and getting sick when there's not a need. But if you're, if you're in a place in life that your kids are already active and doing things and, and, and you want to get together, we want to challenge you to think about life in those ways. Uh, last thing I'm going to tell you, we have an exciting thing coming up uh, after Labor Day. We're going to do a church-wide study uh, called, the, uh, called Real God. And so this week in the midweek memo, I know some of you don't open that email sometimes because we can track it. All right, so we're going to challenge you this week to actually open the email. We're going to have some links in there about how you can buy uh, a book if you want to read through the book. But we're going to give you a ton of free resources for eight weeks. Our kids, our youth, our adults will all be studying and talking about the same things as we learn about who God is. And the more we know about who God is, the better we know ourselves. Church, we love you so much. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Hey, listen, feel free. Like share uh, our times of worship like share our videos and things that we put out on Facebook every week and social media you don't have to get caught up in the social media uh, negativity you can be a part of the positive solution of letting other people know that God loves them and we'd love to help you in that thank you so much we love you we will see you next week God bless